0: Where are we at in society today? Come after me. I'm a man. I'm 40.
1: Welcome in, everybody, to a brand-new episode of, of a, the first episode of a brand-new show, uh, Out of Line. Uh, this is mostly going to be a college—I mean, very mostly a football show, uh, very college football-oriented. Uh, as you can see, I have a Georgia fan on, and uh, <laughs> you can see from his hat. Um, and, uh, you, you know, Georgia fans couldn't—they couldn't be much happier right now. Uh, frankly, neither could Notre Dame fans, uh, you know, Brian Kelly, Lane and Egg, and all that. Um, welcome, Noah. Welcome. You're the first guest.
0: Yeah, thanks for having me on, Nick. Like you said, um, Mass went first over the weekend winning 49 to three over Oregon. Absolutely ecstatic. And uh, Notre Dame did lose as well this weekend, so they'll be a little ticked about that. But yeah, Brian Kelly, uh, special teams wasn't good, man. It was an absolute disaster. You know, Brian
1: Kelly laid an egg in that game. Now I will have to say, Brian Kelly and his fake Southern accent totally lost. It was it was fun to watch. The thing is. I don't think – I don't dislike Brian Kelly for getting up and leaving for LSU. Like, LSU's <laughs> clearly a better job than Notre Dame. So, from his perspective, you know what? Like, the same way I don't get mad at professional athletes for leaving their teams, I don't think there's anything wrong with that. Um, he is a little bit unlikable. Um, a kid did die on his watch um, in, two, in 2010, <coughs> um, which was, I don't know, makes me feel a, a certain way about him, I guess. Uh, a lot of people do, and he he could be very uh, you know the fake southern accent. He could be very nasty. He was kind of rude to the reporters and all that. Um, but either way, um, I did have money on that game. I know you're not a gambler like I am. I did have money on that game. Um, I won money either way because the way it worked was that I had a parlay of I had a five team parlay, and the first four won. Mm-hmm. So if LSU was to cover, that was the fifth leg of the five of the uh, five leg parlay that I had. So if LSU were to cover three and a half, I would have won like $170. Mm-hmm. But I won like I, – but I hedged it. I'm sorry, $120. And But I hedged it, so I would have won. Uh, So I ended up winning like 43 instead in case Florida State covered. So I ended up winning money on that game anyway, but I would have won a lot more if LSU had covered. At that point, LSU wasn't going to cover anyway. So th- there was almost no way that was going to happen because the way overtime works and all that. There was almost no way that was going to happen um, unless they were somehow score a touchdown and then before what you know it's possible but it's unlikely. So anyway, uh, so it, it would have been. So I was rooting for LSU to. You know, I, I thought I was. Swear sort to of God, I was looking down. I was like, all right, they're just going to kick the extra point, whatever. But I will have to say, the special teams was an absolute disaster for LSU. LSU, they. At that point, they were dominating Florida State. Florida State's defense was so gassed at that point. Like, I almost feel like it would have been a lot smarter to go for two in that situation. Because Florida State's special teams were just so bad. They had a blocked, uh, I mean, um, neighbors, Malik neighbors. He dropped two punts. He muffed two punts in that game. And he was lucky. Florida State scored on neither of them. He was very lucky about that. Florida State should have been losing – I'm sorry, LSU should have been losing by a lot more strictly because of their special teams. And that's really what killed him. And the funny part is the one guy who followed Brian Kelly from Notre Dame to LSU was the special teams coordinator.
0: Yeah, it's a bit funny how it works out. Um, honestly, I think you have to give a hand to LSU special teams because they made this game – it's strange, right? Because they were just so abysmal. Like I'd never seen such terrible special teams, not just, you know, the two muffed, which like you said, they were lucky. FSU didn't score on either of them. The first one, LSU's defense got a stop on fourth down. And the second one, I don't know what the play – why would you call a pitch there? But the running back fumbled. They got it back to the one-yard line. They were able – Yeah, to- you
1: know, the funny th- – can I just interrupt you there for a second? Yeah, go The ahead. funny thing about that is that because Florida State ended up winning because of LSU's bad special teams – Nobody's talking about that play, but imagine if the rules were reversed and LSU ended up making that call and they ended up losing the game because of it or Florida State lost because of it. Mm-hmm. Like that is the dumbest thing you can do. It's almost like Pete Carroll passing on the one yard line in the Super Bowl.
0: Yeah, I'm like just do a halfback dive. There's no no reason to do a pitch. It's very really risky. And unfortunately the running back did drop it. Luckily um florida state special teams so you know got to give them credit as well they were phenomenal in this game as terrible as lsu special teams was i mean that was a big block f- to win the game for them um really, lsu tried to give florida state the game and florida state was like no you know you can have it back basically and uh it was an insane game back and forth um really impressed with both quarterbacks as well i wasn't a big fan of jordan travis last year for myself I thought he was very in- inconsistent but he looked solid in this game 260 pass yards and two touchdowns, and Jaden Daniels on their side, I thought was pretty good. Um, Ontario Wilson, Florida State wide receiver, absolute monster. That one-handed catch he had—I believe it was in the third quarter. I think they went up seventeen to three with that. It was an absolutely insane play. Um, but yeah, I mean, the, the special teams was just an absolute disaster. I, I even saw a meme Nick a few days ago where it was like um, practice schedule for LSU this Tuesday or whatever, and it had like ten things, and every every single one was special teams, which. <laughs> Honest honestly, wouldn't be a stretch, right, because I thought their offense was pretty good. Um, their defense wasn't terrible either. I mean, Florida State had some big plays, but towards the end of the game, LSU, like you said, was really getting momentum back. And for the second half, they were really the better team. Florida State's defense had no answer for their offense by then. You could tell they were gassed. They weren't getting pressure, which was their biggest strength in the first half. Their quarterback barely had any time to throw. He was getting sacked all the time, it felt like. Um, but in the second half, they had the momentum, and then – you know, just like that, a blocked PAT. So from a from a neutral perspective, I thought it was a great game. It, it back and forth, very exciting, massive comeback attempt by LSU. But when you make so many simple mistakes on special teams, right, it's really hard to overcome that. And they were lucky that the defense bailed them out like they did. Um, I don't even know if I mentioned, they also missed a field goal late in the second quarter. Yeah. Um, so, you know, and they lose by one. You think, well, at the end of the game, would that have been the difference? Who knows? Because, you know, Every little thing that happens in game right can change how the rest of the game goes. So you don't know what would happen if they make that field goal or not, but um, it's a disaster. That said, LSU, we knew this would be the case. They're a rebuilding team, they're in a very tough division. Um, if they struggled that bad against a pretty good FSU defensive line, Nick, just think what they're going to do when they play teams like Alabama or AM or Arkansas. These teams have even better defenses than Florida State has, um, but credit to Florida State, Mike Norvell. You know, rough first two years for him, but he's building something there. He had a really good recruiting class this year in the top twenty-five, and they started off two and zero. Granted, one one win was against an FCS team or whatever, but this one, you know, I know it's quote unquote initial site game, but it was a game in New Orleans, so you would probably expect it was more sort else. Of like uh, the Rose Bowl for USC, right? And and they got it done. And I think they looked great in the first half. You could tell in the second half, kind of gassed a little bit, but good performance for them. Honestly, if they could just get some things together, I think this was a game, if they were firing all cylinders, they could have won this by 21. But because of the little mistakes they made after the muff punts, uh, it was a close game, closer game than it should have been.
1: Yeah, I, I think this was part of the reason this game was such a big story is because, Brian, because of the whole lot, because of Brian Kelly's enormously huge contract the amount of money he's getting paid and all that. Although I will have to say as much as we're killing LSU right now and their terrible special teams, I also think on the flip side, this is, there's a bit of an overreaction to this. Mm -hmm. Um, There's a bit of an overreaction in the sense of Brian Kelly, LSU, how good of a team they might be. Um, I mean, let's just think about the Brian Kelly aspect of it. LSU was not a good team last year. So I mean, just looking at this game, it's still a step up for LSU. Um, we know Jaden Daniels from from Arizona State to LSU because of Brian Kelly. Uh, so just from a Brian Kelly standpoint, like I'm not going to criticize a coach for taking over a team that was bad if they made the team better. Like comparatively speaking, if they're better with him than they were the right. year before, I don't. I'm not really going to kill him for that. The other thing is things like this happen every year where a team loses a game. And we really overreact to it, and we think the season's over. I mean, one that comes to mind is Ohio State when they lost to Virginia Tech. Everybody thought the season was over because they lost to Virginia Tech in September, and they won the national championship. So I don't, I don't think it's a huge deal that they ended up that they lost in a non-conference game in in the very beginning in in early September to Florida State because of special teams errors, which is something that you could pretty easily fix for the most part. Um, The flip side is Florida State fans are going nuts right now because they're finally back. And a lot of people are making fun of them for it. But here's the thing. I say let them have this moment. Let Florida State have this moment because for like five years in a row, Florida State's been terrible. The last time Mm -hmm. they were in a bowl game was the Independence Bowl. Yeah. this the last time they were in a bowl game. So to this I say, you know what? I think college football is better. When traditional sort of powerhouse teams, especially when they're in geographically talented areas, are good, I feel like college football is better. Um, And when teams like Florida State are good, I think college football is in a better position. So to that, I say, you know what? Let Florida State fans have this moment. They're finally relevant again. They're finally worth talking about because they haven't been worth talking about in like five years, (laughs) like at least. Mm -hmm. So at this point, I say... Jordan Travis looked great. I think he looked very good. I think he looked very good. Um, it looks really good for Mike Norvell. Uh, it's. I mean, it took him a few years, but it looks like they're. It looks like they're. They're back um, now. In terms of LSU, I don't think they're a playoff team. But the reason I don't think they're a playoff team is not because they lost this game. If they had won, I'd say the same thing. I think their schedule is too difficult. It's Brian Kelly's first year. They I just don't think they're a good enough team to overcome a schedule like this. Because, um, I mean, they're playing... Oh, to, I mean, tomorrow's a tough game. They're playing Southern.
0: <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: then they're playing Mississippi State. That's winnable. But um, they're playing... Uh, I mean, they, they're playing Tennessee, Florida, Ole Miss, Alabama, Arkansas, Texas A&M. All of them ranked teams. I don't see them winning all of those games. I mean, if they if they couldn't beat Florida State like this, I don't see them winning all of those games. Though I could see them winning a good, a decent bowl game, I guess. Um, mm-hmm. But either way, even if like I said, even if they had beaten Florida State, the likelihood of them being a playoff team, I think overall, is very low.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. I mean, I think at best they're probably the fourth best team in the division because I think Alabama, obviously, A and M had the number one recruiting class. And Arkansas is pretty good under Sam Pittman. I mean, they were great last year. They got a solid one against a good Cincy team in week one. Um, it's tough for them. And Like you said, um, Kentucky and Florida are two very tough games from the eastern side. Uh, two very good teams, I think, that, funnily enough, play each other this week. Um, on the other side, and I will say about LSU, they do have some talent. I think they can win games this year. I love the the Penn State transfer running back, Noah Kane. I thought that was a solid pickup for him. And obviously, Keyshawn Bouttee, and I know he didn't have a great game. He had two catches for 20 yards. I think he had a couple drops and a lot of targets. But the guy has talent through the roof. I think he'll be fine long term. I know everyone wants to clown on a a guy that has a lot of hype and he doesn't have the best game. But, you know, it's only one game, like you said, Nick. On the other side for Florida State, I don't blame their fans at all for getting inside it because, like you said, not only have they been bad for so long, but this is a fan base that has seen the absolute heights. I mean, it's only 2013, their last title. And the 90s Seminoles teams, when they were going up against the Gators pretty much every year, it was some of the best times that college football has ever seen. I think when you're talking about these vintage programs that are going through hard times, teams like Florida State, not so much Michigan because they're in the playoffs last year, but most years Michigan, Texas, Miami. I think college football is way better when teams like that are do- are doing well um, because you know, it just makes the games more exciting so I like Florida State. Uh, Florida State, I have a lot of respect for them. I hope they keep winning. <laughs> Obviously, it's tough in the ACC because I mean, Clemson looks amazing after their first game, uh, but none of they, the other teams look that good. Yeah, I mean, I think teams yeah. like Pittsburgh and Wake Forest will take a bit of a step back. Yeah, I, I
1: think that overall, I mean, Florida State and Clemson are two teams in the ACC that have so many SEC tendencies. Like they mm-hmm. see, they feel like SEC teams, but they're in, but they're in the ACC. Uh, yeah, right. all that, all, it, like, yeah, all of that, like, yeah, all that is true. Um, yeah, so to that, to Florida State fans, I say, yeah, you know, enjoy this, I guess. Um, Florida is finally back. Sorry. Florida beat Utah, um, as as we all saw. Utah with that, uh, Utah with blowing it at the end of the game. At that point, I thought it was over because they were one of the teams in the parlay that I did. Mm-hmm. Um, Florida had, uh, I, I had winning uh, straight up. Uh, and I was going nuts when I saw this. Uh, I think that this game really puts a referendum on Dan Mullen. Now that Florida, cause think about this for a second. Anthony Richardson was basically a backup when Brian Kelly, uh, when Brian Kelly, when Dan Mullen was coaching last year, he didn't even play in that many games. He started in, I could be wrong, but I think he started in zero games last year, uh, Anthony Richardson, and now he just comes out with under Billy Napier and just shows at, and and wins a game that they weren't expected to win. Then not just that he played very very well, and it makes it even worse that he was Dan Mullen's recruit, and mm-hmm. he started Emory Jones over him, which is and he's become a punchline basically. It makes. Dan Mullen look really stupid and he better get used to this analyst gig because it looks like he might not get another job anytime soon.
0: <laughs> um, yeah, I've talked with my good buddy and coach Garth about the slot. He's a Florida fan. Um, I really like Anthony Richardson. Obviously, I hate Florida. I mean, like you said, Nick, Georgia yeah. fans can't stand up, but I gotta give them credit where this was where they're due. I think Utah's a very good team and they got it done. Big game at home for them as well. But Anthony Richardson, very talented. And think thing about Dan Mullen last year, right, he, he is stubbornly loyal. Like, it took Emory Jones getting injured for, I believe, him to finally put in Anthony Richardson. He, he waited too long to fire Todd Grantham when the defense was an absolute joke. Um, and uh, unfortunately for him, it cost him his job. Now, as for Billy Napier, I thought he was great recruiting in the offseason. And look, it, it's going to take time for Florida, right? I, I don't expect them to, like, compete for the East or anything like that. I still think it's Georgia's division to run. But, you know, I think they could finish anywhere from second to maybe fourth, depending on how good they are in divisional games. They have a massive game this weekend against Kentucky. They have to really decide the course of their season because that's a direct competitor for them. But I, I've always liked Andrew Richardson; very talented, three rushing touchdowns in this game. He also had an incredible uh, – I don't even know what to call it, Nick, like a fake pass and then the spin ram on a two-point conversion. It was absolutely ridiculous. I don't even know how he pulled it off but he had a, a really – one of his three rushing touchdowns was like a 50-plus yarder as well, a very dynamic 45-yarder. I'm looking at it right now. Um, and he was really accurate in this game, 17-24, 168, which, you know, last year thing – I mean, knock against AR last year was really talented, but he was inconsistent, and he made some bonehead decisions. But I didn't see any of that in this game. So if he's developed as a passer to go along with his running ability – that will really help a Florida offense that loves to get the running game going. And you saw that in this one, Nick, 283 yeah. rushing yards, averaging over seven a clip and four rushing touchdowns. Um, as for Utah, uh, I don't know what Cameron Rising was doing on that last play. I don't know what he saw in the play. Um, but, I mean, it wasn't even close. Easy, easiest, easiest interception that guy's going to get in his career. <laughs> it and, was and a
1: terrible throw.
0: Yeah. And unfortunately, you know, for them, it ended the game uh tabian thomas was good 23 carries 150 yards and a touchdown and uh the tight end brant Cootie, nine receptions 105 and a touchdown he was good unfortunately he had to leave the game for a little bit but i believe he came back um as for Ford's defense really like what i saw from ventral miller uh, he did drop an easy pick on the last drive which could have been problematic but luckily it didn't matter and other than that he had a good game uh, i did hear from guards because he was literally complete he was at this game Nick, he, he, he will, he goes to the games pretty much all the time. And he told me Brenton Cox, uh, for whatever reason, did not have a good game. Funny enough, Gar, um, excuse me, Nick, uh, Brenton <laughs> Cox, former UGA player. Um, just want to point out one of Florida's best defense players is a UGA reject.
1: Yeah. Well, um, yeah, Florida, like I said, Florida, they, they looked like they were finally back after being sort of a punchline for a while, um, they are playing this weekend a big game against uh, a big game against Kentucky. Um, I, I also want to do, talk a little bit about Ohio State and Notre Dame. Uh, mm-hmm. Now, this went. I will have to say, I don't like to brag about myself with uh, predictions, although this game went exactly the way I predicted it would go. I figured it, I knew it would be low scoring. I knew Ohio State would win, but I knew that they wouldn't cover. Uh, the, the spread was 16 or depending on when you bet it, 16 or 17 and a half. Um, I took Notre Dame because I knew this game would be low scoring. I knew that. And I also knew that, you know, Notre Dame had almost no shot at winning because think about it. It's Marcus Freeman. He's a brand new head coach. Uh, their quarterback, um, uh, Buckner.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. Buck, their their quarterback Buckner, he, he's, um, he's a sophomore, but he never started a game before. So he's basically brand new. Uh, So the likelihood of Notre Dame being able to win a game like this was not very high at all. It was very low. Um, But I also know that Ohio state never is good in these games. Um, They never really, they don't necessarily lose these types of games. When I say these games, I mean like the September non-conference games, they usually don't, they either lose or they just don't play as well as they're supposed to. I mean, so just from, from a betting standpoint, It's very smart to pick against Ohio state in these games. Like they lost to Virginia tech uh, or, you know, last year they lost to Oregon Uh, five years ago. They lost to, they got trounced by Oklahoma. So they never really play as good as they're supposed to in these games. Most of the time, except for that one year when they blew Oklahoma's doors off, that was the one exception, but for the most part, they don't play as well as they're supposed to. So I kind of knew it was going to go like this Um, Notre Dame losing. I mean, Notre Dame often gets criticized for playing easy schedules and maybe being able to get in the playoffs or being ranked too high because their schedule is too easy. But this year they had play a bunch of tough games. So for them to even be a playoff team or even have consideration, I feel like this year they have to actually earn it This what uh, uh, with Notre Dame. Overall, I thought Ohio State looked pedestrian. They didn't look great. Uh, they looked okay, uh, offensively at least. Um, I mean, I thought maybe they would be able to score a little more. Um, but like I said, I'm not going to overreact to that because this happens all the time with Ohio State and they turn out to be a lot better.
0: Yeah, no, I'm not worried about Ohio State. I think uh, when healthy and they're firing all cylinders, which obviously, you know, first game jitters or whatnot, they weren't firing all cylinders in the first three quarters. They got it going a bit, I will say, in the fourth. CJ Stroud really started getting the stride. And I do want to give a shout out as well to Amika egbuka stepping in when Jackson Smith and Jacob left the game due to an injury. And he was phenomenal. He had nine catches for 90 yards and a touchdown. So go figure, Nick. Just add another weapon to to the luxuries that Ohio State has. Um, Mayan Williams and Travion Henderson as well. Both were really effective in the running game. Um, And CJ Stroud, you know, look, he's a Heisman favorite. I think he's a top two quarterback in the nation. He's an absolute stud. But I thought Notre Dame's defense was very good in the first half. But eventually they tired out because unfortunately for the offense, They just had no run game, like, at all. They averaged 2.5 yards a carry, and like you said, Nick, that's a lot of pressure to put on a quarterback starting his first ever game. And he got off to a good start. He was like five for five or six for six to start the game. But as it goes on, right, and he's facing this absolutely stacked Ohio State front, you can see the inexperience start to kick in. He starts missing passes, and he's getting pressured. And then, you know, he starts starts firing it when there's – not even anyone there really, you know, he's missing consecutive passes. And unfortunately, I think as the game went on, while, while I do think Buckner, he looks very talented. I think he's got a lot of promise for the future. You could really tell as the game went on that it was his first career start. Very inexperienced. Yeah. But, but um, I will have to
1: say, I mean, you did okay. say their defense wore out, but really their offense did. Mm-hmm. I mean, they didn't score at all in the second half.
0: Well, yeah, but, I mean, you know, the you, offense you
1: had- really seemed to shut down more than their defense, I think.
0: That's true, Nick. But you have to think it. You know, if you're punting every three or four plays, how many plays does the defense have to defend that's it what I'm eventually? Saying. That's that's going to be the
1: reason the defense tired out, which is they, they kept punting. I mean, I'm a Jet mm-hmm. fan, so I have witnessed this firsthand. When right. the offense doesn't do, when the offense doesn't perform, it affects the defense a lot.
0: Absolutely, and you know they just, I mean, shut out in the second half. You cannot do that against a team like Ohio state. And and, and once again, this was a difficult game for them. I don't think many people expected Notre Dame to win this game. I certainly did. I thought Ohio state would win by like 14 to 17 points, but they got shut out in the second half. You can't do that on the road against a team like Ohio state. Now, like you said, for Notre Dame, they do have some tough games this year. Uh, They play USC in the final game of the season, but they have other tough games. Clemson is absolute murder. That's going to be very tough for them. I think. And, other tough games that, while well, I would probably expect Notre Dame to win, but they could slip up if they don't play well. They do also play teams like North Carolina at Chapel Hill, and they play Stanford. So you know, Syracuse as well I think it looked good week one. So they do have some tough games in there. I don't think they'll make the playoffs just because I think their schedule is murder. I think they're going to lose potentially two or three games this year at least. Um, but I, I will say I love the decision uh, to move on for Brian Kelly and get Marcus Freeman in there. I think – Freeman is an absolute players coach. You can tell he's kind of, he kind of reminds me a bit of what Dan Campbell's doing for the Lions, Nick, to where the players on the team would just like absolutely run through a brick wall for him. Oh, you know, they, they moved on from an established guy that wasn't really working out for him. You know, he'd have good, good seasons here and there. But unfortunately, in the big games, the team really struggled. I think long term it'll help Notre Dame, but they weren't going to win this game. Ohio State's too good. They're too loaded with talent on the road as well inexperienced at both head coach and quarterback. Um, honestly, they did great to keep it close for a half. I thought it was a really good game um, for a half, and then you, you could see the better team as the game went on, right, which which is how a lot of games go. Look at what happened in the Clemson game. You know, it was close for one half, and in the second half, Clemson just blows Georgia Tech's doors off. Um, yeah, that, that's yeah what and happened.
1: people were criticizing Clemson too. It was like, this Clemson team doesn't look very good. Like, relax. It's one half. And they ended up winning by thirty points. So who cares anyway? Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm yeah. not gonna like. What do you do? Criticize them for winning by thirty points instead of forty points? <laughs> like, like at some point, it gets kind of silly.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Absolutely. Yeah. So um, picks this weekend. There's. Um, I made. I, I don't know how many picks you made. Uh, I I made a few myself. Um, you can go first if you want.
0: Um, yeah. So I guess uh, let me get the schedule up again so I don't forget. The first game that I can think of that I want to pick would be Florida-Kentucky because, like I said, I think that's a a pretty good SEC matchup for this weekend. Um, So I'm actually going to pick Florida in this one. I believe it is in the Swamp. Um, And I was really impressed with them last week. I think they looked good against a very good Utah team. Kentucky did win, but I don't even remember who they are playing. It wasn't a good team, but for half they were kind of struggling. I thought Will Leibus looked a bit shaky. Um, So, you know, I hate to do it, Nick. Uh, Both teams are ranked, but I am going to pick Florida to win this game. Another game I'm looking at that could be very interesting. Well, not very interesting, I'll say, but it's at least a marquee, you know, matchup that a lot of people want to watch is Alabama at Texas, because this is a bit of a preview of what the SEC is going to look like in a few years when Texas and Oklahoma join and it is in Texas, so that's one advantage they have. Unfortunately, they're playing, you know, the greatest guys. Nice
1: I'm yeah. kind of shocked Nick Saban was willing to go on the road.
0: Yeah, I mean, you know, it's on the road, and, you know, it's at least an opponent you have to respect. That said, Ohio, Alabama's just always so stacked, right? So I'm going to pick them to win this game pretty easily. Um, hopefully Texas can at least keep it close, maybe for a half, to make it a little bit exciting, but – Alabama's just so stacked; they're a the number one team for a reason, right? So I'm going to go with them. Uh, another decent game, I think. Um, Nick, two two ranked teams in this one as well. Number 24 Tennessee going on the road to face number 17 Pittsburgh. Both teams coming off a, w- a win in Week One. Tennessee blew out Ball State, whereas Pittsburgh uh, won a close game against a West Virginia team. I think is pretty good. Um, so I'm going to pick Pittsburgh to win this one at home. I think they're really solid. I know they lost the Kenny Pickett from last season. But, you know, Keaton Slobis was pretty good in week one. And I still think they have some decent talent. I I think they'll fall off a little bit from last year because last year was just a dream season for them. But, you know, I still think they'll be pretty good this year. And I I still think Tennessee has some untapped potential. They look good, but I'm not sure they're as good as some people think they are. I don't think they're going to win, like, ten games, which I've seen some people predict for them. So I'm going to go for Pittsburgh in that one. Um, And I guess I'll pick one more game. There's one more game I thought looked okay which is number nine Baylor at number 21 BYU. Uh, I'm going to pick Baylor in this one. I really like Blake Shapen. He came in clutch in the Big 12 championship game last year for him, Nick, when Gary Bohannon was out with an injury. Has a lot of potential. Their defense is incredible. And they have you know solid skill position as well. So while BYU um, is at home, it's a, a matchup of two ranked teams. I'm going to pick Baylor to win on the road probably by something like 17 points. You think that much? Yeah, I think oh, by the way,
1: I do want to, I do like to play this game. Can you guess how many points
0: Michigan is giving against Hawaii? I'd say god, I, it's got to be I'll go with like 25. No? No. no how much? No, you're not even close. Go up a little. Actually a lot. Go up a lot. 42. No. Is it more than that? Yeah. Fifty-one. Fifty-two. Okay. Jesus, that's insane. Michigan is literally giving 52
1: points. So, basically, even if Miami – even if Michigan beats Hawaii by seven touchdowns, Hawaii covers it.
0: I mean, they did get absolutely demolished by Vanderbilt, and Michigan's pretty good, so I can understand it. So, I, I don't know. It
1: by the way, the lines might change within the next 24 48 hours. I don't know, but like, that is nuts that it's like that is that much. Okay, so I'll make I'll make a few picks. Um myself um Pitt and Tennessee. Tennessee is giving 6 on the road. I like Pitt. Um I don't think that Pitt is 6 points worse than Tennessee at home. Uh, I don't really see that. I think Pitt looked very good against West Virginia last week. Um I don't. I really do like Pitt to co- to at least cover. Not saying they though they're definitely going to win, but six points is a lot for uh, a lot of points to be getting for a home team. So I got to take the points and go with Pitt. Uh, the other, um, uh, BYU and Baylor. BYU is giving three points, so it's BYU minus three. Um, I'm going to go with Baylor with the points. I could see Baylor winning this game outright. I think Baylor looks like a better team than BYU. I mean, the ones it's sort of, it's not really a Pac 12 after dark game, but it sort of is. It starts at 10 15. Uh, and I mean, one of them's Big 12. Neither of them are Pac 12 games, but they're, they're essentially after dark games. So, you know, it's a Big 12 after dark game. Uh, so that game, I really like Baylor. I think they're, I think they look like a better team this year than they were last year. They're, I mean, they're ranked nine right now. I don't know. That might change. They might go up or down a little, but I do think they're a better team than BYU. So three points, I think they should be able to, I I mean, the fact that they're getting points, I I like Baylor and I like them to win outright anyway, Uh, Florida and Kentucky, Florida minus six. Um, I would go with Florida reluctantly. I would reluctantly go with Florida here. Uh, Florida is, like I said, Florida really showed out last week. They're at home against Kentucky. Uh, I think they should easily be able to cover six points. Like I said, like Anthony Richardson looked very good against Utah, uh, which was the seventh ranked team at the time. So if they look that good against Utah, they should easily be able to look better against Kentucky. Uh, and so based on what we saw, Florida should be able to cover that game. I like Florida. I usually, I don't always take, I don't usually take points by that much, but against similar sort of similarly sort of ranked teams, but I think Florida looks a lot better. Um, and so what I think, BYU, uh, Baylor, Florida, um, I'll take one more game. Uh, Alabama and Texas, I like Alabama to cover 20 points. Even though, like, Texas has been getting better within the within the recent years, um, I think Alabama should be able to blow them out. I don't see Alabama, I don't really see this game being close. I saw Paul Feinbaum talking about it. And he was like, Alabama doesn't care about this game. I think it's bullshit. I think Alabama certainly cares about this game enough to – I think they're going to not care about it when they're winning so much. But enough right. to I, – I just don't see Texas being close. I, I don't think those teams
0: are even comparable. No, I mean, uh, I think it was a bit ridiculous on Feinbaum, which sometimes I think he says some good stuff. And other times it's like, this guy's the biggest idiot on the planet. <laughs> but, look, like, when you're Nick Saban, right, and he won, what, seven titles – um, you can't afford to just basically take games off be like, oh, yeah, this is an easy W. The thing that makes makes Nick Saban, at least in my opinion, the greatest college coach of all time, is he drills his coach just as much in the fourth quarter of a blowout against Utah State where they're up 50 as he does in the fourth quarter of an national Championship game. Right. And that's what champions do. Um, so I think the fact that Feinbaum thinks that they can just take off a road game against a team that's going to be in the SEC in two or three seasons. Um, you know, I, I do like some of the things he says, but, you know, I think he had a bit too much coffee that morning when he said that. (laughs) Yeah. I think that was a bad take. Um, yeah. So, um,
1: so pretty soon within a few years, apparently, uh, there's Mm going to be a 12 team playoff in college football. Um, I know this is a very popular move. I think it sucks. I think the 12 team playoff sucks. Um. Just let's go within the past decade or, you know, the past since the college football playoff started. Has there ever been 12 teams that were good enough? And um, I saw Joel Klatt talking about this. And he said that this means that a higher percentage of teams, like he went through this weird sort of percentage thing. This means that a higher percentage of teams are now going to be able to make the playoffs. And he went from this percentage to like that percentage. It was like this percentage. I, I don't remember exactly what it was, but it, it's mm-hmm. like a true, but it's one of those things that's sort of a true, but like useless point. It's like, so there is a higher percentage of teams that make it like, okay, why is that necessarily better in the NBA? More than half of the teams make it every year. Is that, a, do they have a better system than, uh, than all the others? I would say, no, most people right. would always say no. Like, I don't think the higher percentage of teams that make it, is always better. I care about if those teams are good enough, and I'm fine with a playoff expansion. I'm fine with it because there might be more teams than four that are capable of competing. But it's worth noting, within our lifetimes, with since the college football playoff has started, has there been a 12 seed that's been good enough for the playoff? I don't.
0: I can't think of one.
1: I can't think of one either. I mean, there's just there's just no way. Like, there aren't 12 teams that are good enough. Anybody who knows college football knows that there aren't 12 teams that are good enough. Frankly, there's not even really ever eight teams that are good enough. For everybody talking Mm -hmm. about an eight-team playoff, I mean, the eight seeds are usually not good enough. I I can't think of there ever being an eight seed that was good enough to compete in the playoffs, that was able to compete with the one through four teams. So this whole thing is ridiculous. I don't like it at all. I don't think – I I think it would make – I mean, there are some positives to it. Mm -hmm. There's some positives to it for fans. Like, yes, it's true that teams like Penn State, Wisconsin, USC, bubble teams that haven't made it yet but were close would be able to get in a lot. Um, The downside is for everybody complaining, which I think is a silly comparison, but for everybody complaining that we see the same teams every year, it's Alabama, Clemson. Ohio State Georgia well good luck not seeing them in because now they're never going to miss it you might see a three-loss Alabama team get in and mm-hmm. you know when Alabama loses one game people get excited because they might miss the playoffs good luck good luck seeing a Nick, Sab- Nick Saban coach a <laughs> nine and three team and even if he does they still might make the playoffs so all the people complaining about that you have that to look forward to
0: also right right I'm really fifty-fifty on this one, Nick, because there are things I liked about the fourteen playoff. However, I, I and me and Garth have talked about playoff expansion talks for like, I want to say like at least five different times on our on our show, uh, because it is college football heavily based. Um, look, here's a few things I'll say about the fourteen playoff that I loved. I loved how competitive it was, like. You know, every single win that you got meant something. If you won your conference, it meant something. And if you lost a game, you shouldn't. It, it could end up screwing you at the end of the year. And you knew at the end. Um, I, I, look, some people would whine every now and then. But for the most part, you could tell that the teams that made it were the four best teams. And if they weren't, they 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 probably didn't win the title that year because they would have got beaten by a team better than them. Um, however... I would have liked to see it expand eight, even if, you know, like you said, the best teams probably would still come out. I'd like to at least see them give the chance. Like, you know, kind of – I'll use a March Madness example, Nick. You know, you don't expect the number 16 seed to win, but every now and then they do. So even if, you know, the the top four teams or whatever – you know, get to the whatever it is, semifinals, 99% of the time. At least there's that 1% chance, right, which I think is is what you want to see as a college football fan because what makes the game exciting is how many upsets there are and things that happen you don't expect. So while it would be, I think, incredibly unlikely to happen, it could happen. I will say, very surprised it went from 4 to 12 because I thought even 6 to 8, I wasn't even sure if it would ever happen. I mean, think about it for a second. It went from Mm -hmm. 2 to 4. Right. I mean, of at Leon most, BC I thought it was eight. 8. Yeah, I thought it would be at, at most 8. So the fact they went to 12, and they want to push this as well. Uh, they said they want to get it in by 2024 if they can push the commissioners to be enough. Now, I saw Sankey, uh, Nick, who, who's commissioning the SEC, says, we don't even think we can do it by 2026, let alone 2024. So not sure what's going to go on with that. Overall, um, I'm kind of on the fence about it. I don't have a major – I, if it was eight teams, I would have been ecstatic. The fact they went to 12, because like you said, I'll use this to make a point, Nick. What was Oregon ranked uh, last week before they played Georgia? 11. And and they played the number three team, and you saw how that went. Yeah. So, you know, just think how many playoff games would be like that. that you said, really wanted a,
1: to bring that up, I can tell.
0: I did. Uh, you know, I just got, <laughs> I got to celebrate, man. But, um, <laughs> look, I – Honestly, I, I just lost my train of thought saying that. But basically, um really surprised he went to twelve. As a football I guess as a football fan though, um, I'm never really gonna complain about watching more games, even though I'll probably turn most of his games off by halftime because it'd be forty nine to nothing. But you know, who knows? Maybe there'll be an upset here and there. So I don't have a major problem with it. I mean, I'm probably not as enthusiastic about it as a lot of people. I can't understand why some people would like it because the 14 playoff, the races were absolutely exciting, but at the same time, you know, I think some teams will like it because, you know, for some teams, it's basically like, well, if we lose one one game, our season is over. So, you know, that now that I guess they have a little bit of insurance. But like you said, people complain about the same teams getting in. Um, that that's not going to change with 12 teams. It's going to be more, but more of a, I wouldn't say issue, more of an occurrence than it already was.
1: Yeah, and not only that, but we would also see a lot of things where it's like. We would see a lot of uh, teams that we don't see that often that people would start to complain about. Like, we might get to the point where, like, USC is always in it. Why is USC always in? It's, I know USC hasn't made it yet, but I bet they're going to make it a bunch of times with a 12-team playoff. Or it's right. going to be like Notre Dame. I mean, Notre, Dame's, uh, Notre Dame hasn't made it that many times. Uh, but, you know, a Notre Dame team, if they play an easy schedule, there's almost no way they miss it if there's a 12-team playoff especially considering how record-obsessed the committee is, I think that they would be getting a lot of favors from this. So all of, a lot of those problems are still going to exist. Like I said, the good news is you're still going to see some new blood in there. Um, but overall, there are not 12 teams that are worthy of competing for a playoff spot every year. I mean, like, I, I can't think of – I mean, I'm trying to think. Like, who was the 12 seed last year? Was it Ole Miss –
0: I can look it up real quick.
1: I think it was Ole Miss.
0: Let me look it up. Let's see, okay, this is for this year. That's not helpful. Here we go. Twenty twenty one rankings. Number twelve by the final week was. Let me see here. Okay, uh, ba, ba, ba. Utah was number Utah. twelve. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Who was eleven?
0: Oh, I literally just closed Nick. I have no idea. Oh, it's
1: okay. Whatever, it doesn't matter. So Utah would have been a playoff team last year,
0: mm-hmm. and they lost uh, four games.
1: Yeah, and considering how uneven the conferences are in the divisions, it could just be a total disaster. I mean, we would consider we would consistently get at least one Big Ten West team that totally stinks that plays a that plays an easy enough schedule to get in. So I don't know. I, I don't like this move at all. I would be fine with a 16 playoff, though. I don't think they would ever do that. They would probably just double it to eight because they wouldn't want to have a play-in game or a bye. But I thought four was fine. Not perfect, but fine. Um, I don't know. Maybe – by the way, I hope I'm wrong about all this. I hope I end up loving the 12-team playoff. But anyway. Right.
0: Anyway. And um, maybe we will. You, you never know, right? We We won't know, I guess, until we see it in action. But, you know, I guess one last point I'll make, Nick. Um, before I move on from this, anyone who doesn't like the 12 team playoff, you know, you can you can thank for that. The 2017 UCF Golden Knights, because <laughs> they're complaining about how they missed the playoffs when they played that week schedule, but went undefeated. And, and they said they were national champions. What a joke. Um, they're the reason the playoffs have been expanded. Yeah, they are. Yes, this is this is 100
1: percent true. They're or at least they're a big part of it. Um, that only took them mm-hmm. like five years. But, you know, yeah, that was a pretty big part of it. All right, man. Uh, thanks for coming on. Um, Absolutely, keep man. Celebrating your Georgia win. Uh, thanks for tuning in, everybody, uh, and enjoy the games this weekend.
0: Peace.